Casals emphasized the good stuff, the things he enjoyed, he encouraged. And for the rest, leave that to the morons, whatever it is in Spanish, who judge by counting faults. I can be grateful, and so must you be, he said, for even one singular phrase, one transcendent moment. Hmm? Wow. Yeah? Wow. Pablo Casals. Champion. Once more. With feeling, please. Feeling. Happy Sunday, baby brother. Uh, February 7, 2021. 2021. We are living on the moon. Uh, it, yeah. We could be. We could it be. It may not matter. For as we could much be as... if we just tried harder. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's that's been the problem is we're not trying hard enough to live on the moon on the moon. Right. Since we've made such a wonderful utopia out of our current planet, uh, you know, that would be something that we could look forward to. But this is the start of season three. Yeah. For the 5654 podcast. Yeah, we um, we took uh, what, like a month and like maybe two weeks off. Right. Because we were exhausted from doing a weekly program that no one listened to. I think it's the no one listened to part that is exhausting. <laughs> it um, is exhausting. Um, but yeah, uh, third season, another, um, you know, eight episodes or so of uh, no one's favorite podcast, but ours. Um, right, right. If, yeah, it, it, if only it because is, you don't uh, listen to other podcasts, right? So no. No, I don't listen to other podcasts. I've not even listened yeah. to the podcast I was a guest on yet. I've not listened to the whole thing yet. Oh, that's fair. Um, yeah. My favorite podcast has been on hiatus for a year, which is to say I don't think it's coming back. But Yeah, I, I don't think that's a hiatus. Yeah, I don't think it is either, but they keep claiming that they may come back at some point. But I think it's one of those, you know, dad went out for cigarettes and that's that's it. Like. <laughs> Right. So, you know, the format's uh, pretty straightforward in case, you know, the 10 of you that listen have forgotten. If you're just joining you know, us. We, yeah, if you're just joining us and you're very excited about the program. So we, we typically we pick a movie and a movie quote and we bring it forward. And this week's movie is uh, probably not very well known to you. I'm going to go with likely not well known to you. A Late Quartet, which is a 2012 movie uh premiered at the toronto international film festival in september of that year and then had its wider distribution in november starring uh, and oddly they have the order i think wrong in this uh, in terms of billing at least on wikipedia but i'm going to start with who i liked more christopher walken katherine keener mark Ivanir, and the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, also the young Imogene Poots, and I thought a couple of surprise uh, walk-on performances from Madhur Joffrey as a, um, I think a psychoanalyst or a psychiatrist. A, no, she's um, uh, a neurologist, right? Uh, oh, the neurologist, yes, for for uh, walk-in, and then Wallace Shawn, yeah, who's <laughs> kind of, I guess. 
uh, arrival of, of Mr. Walken. So you, you're, this is a very near and dear movie. You talked me into watching this movie after I don't know how much lobbying, you know. And in fact, you sent down the, you know, the the armed guards um, to make me watch the movie. Uh, and, and I finally watched it, and I loved it. It was a fantastic. It is a fantastic movie. Yeah, um, I know we've I've, we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before. And for those of you that are now listening, going, "Oh my God, is he going to talk about it again?" Yes, we're going to talk about it again. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and the, there are a lot of reasons to like it beyond just its plot and its amazing cast. I mean, let's say that the five main cast members are. Perfect. I mean, absolutely mm-hmm. perfectly cast. They 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 do their roles exceedingly well. Um, I just like the way the movie is made. I think I don't know if I've mentioned it on here or, or just to you in conversation. It feels like someone had an idea for a movie. They had a script. They had some money. They had some connections. They filmed it in like a weekend in New York. It's a very New York movie. Central Park you know, other locations that are well-known. Um, it's just, it's, you know, somebody had a house that they were, like, out of for the weekend, and they, they turned it into Christopher Walken's home for the, you know what I mean? It just has yeah. this very, like, feeling that you could make it, um, obviously, except for the fact that you don't know Christopher Walken, and you don't, uh, you know, obviously Philip Seymour Hoffman's dead, but you don't know these people who are these amazing actors, um, and I think, you know, at the time, at least, I mean, the people in it had been famous for movies and for stage. Um, but I think there's a nice mix there as well. Like, there's the theater scene in New York that's also, you know, I think Ivanar, who's, who was in Schindler's List um, in sort of a bit role. Oh. But I don't really know him from anything else. But no. he really... Um, you know he's he's first violin in the movie and he is first violin as like the character in the movie i mean he's yeah, not the, in life it, right, yeah right and so yeah. um it's there's just so much going on and uh you know christopher walken who we have this sort of jokey relationship with now right the you know, pollock's impersonation everyone does a, yeah. a christopher walken well, he's a cult personality he's he's a cult personality. he is but in in this case it's like he Step like like you see why he's Christopher Walken like he's just so good in this role, uh, and it feels like an afterthought like it feels like he like read the script liked it, you know, left his house for the weekend to film it and and that was it like that was right. His entire- well, he got the script on Thursday, said yes on Friday morning, and they wrapped on Sunday evening. I mean that's. Yeah, it's just a very natural role, and so tell us a little bit about the quote. You're you're more familiar with it, and and you chose it. So, talk a little bit about the quote, and then we'll, as we often do, uh, kind of rattle off into other directions and and, yeah. and bring our own musings about the quote to the to the program. Um, so in the in the context of the movie, it, it comes towards the end of the movie. Um, one of the first things that happens, so this isn't like a big spoiler, um, is is Christopher Walken is diagnosed with Parkinson's. Um, and he's a he's a world famous cellist. Um, and he's diagnosed with Parkinson's and he plays in a quartet of musicians, uh, the Ivan R. Seymour, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Catherine Keener um, they're a quartet, and um, he he sort of realizes that he's you know his, his time is playing out live is is towards its end, but he's also a teacher. He's also 
a, a cello instructor, an orchestra, whatever uh, instructor, I guess, at Juilliard. And he's telling this great story about meeting a, a famous cellist, uh, Pablo Casal. And this is the, the story is real. It obviously just didn't happen um, to Christopher Walken, but it happened to another famous cellist, actually. Um, and he's telling the story of, of meeting this famous cellist once as a young student and then later as a professional. And Casal had said really nice things to him when he was a student. And you know, he, as a, but he felt he had played badly for this great cello master. And so he's telling the story about how when he met him later, he was like, why did you lie to me? Why did you BS me, essentially? And Casal says, didn't you play it this way? And he, he says, we, we have to find the joy. We, you know, we can, we can spend all our time looking for, for counting faults, as the line goes, or we can spend our time looking for joy and... Um, you know, I think we really live in a culture now where we where we count fault. We count our success in the fault of others, and it's not a lot of fun. Um, and I'm I'm guilty of it as well. Um, I'm I'm sure you are also. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure anyone listening to this is guilty as well. Um, but I'm I'm trying to I'm trying hard, Ringo. Um, I'm trying to to you know start counting the good things and start counting the joy in the work of other people and you know i was watching it and you know had a particularly rough week and and uh as i mentioned to my brother it is my sulk movie it is the movie i turn to when i when i when i just i hate the world and i want to get off i i put on uh, a late quartet, you know, it's uh, the, the title not only refers to the four main characters, but also Beethoven's late quartets, uh, which he wrote towards the end of his life, which are, if you have not listened to them. Um, and this is Opus 130, this is, by this the way. Is, is this is 130 or 131. Um, uh, I can't remember. I thought it was 130. Could be. 131, you're 131. right. 131. Um, but there's there's uh, a bunch of them uh, that he, he did towards the end, and. Uh, they are amazing. Um, this one in particular is really fantastic. Um, I actually, you know, I'd seen the movie. Um, there's a, a there's an essay in here somewhere for me. There's there's this movie, which refers to the Beethoven Quartet, um, which is also quoted in a T.S. Eliot poem, which is one of my favorites, um, Burnt Norton, uh, which is part of his one of his later small books called Four Quartets. Um, and then there's an essay by, uh, or part of an essay by Theodore Adorno, uh, the great Frankfurt School theorist, on artists and their late work um, that refers to the to the Beethoven. So there's like this nice connection between these four things and interestingly forming a quartet. I sound like I'm starting to draw a weird conspiracy theory here, but I really, I love that connection. And um you know, it's, you know, the music is great in the movie. Um, you know, the acting is great. It's just, it is one of those things where it is a kind of dark movie in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the struggles in it are very difficult and very real. I, I particularly think that Philip Seymour Hoffman's character has a really real struggle in this movie that I think a lot of us face. Um but it also has a lot of great joy that even in 
uh, Christopher Walken's disease, at the end of the movie, he's he feels happy because this thing that he created is going to continue on, even though he's no longer a part of it, and he finds joy in that, and that is... That's, I mean, that's good everything. That's good art. That's good movie making. That's good writing. Yeah. It's great acting. Um, it's it's so upsetting to me that it's, like, not a movie that everyone has seen. Like, I feel like it should be, like, you know, when you, when you hit, like, 30. Like, it should just be standard viewing for everyone. Like, it's no good when you're, like, 18 and the world is ahead of you. But maybe, like, at, like, 30 to 50, everyone should just be forced to watch it once. Well, I, I, I you know, I'm not, not trying to disagree with you, but I, I disagree. I think this should be a movie, as many others, I think, yeah. that should be viewed by younger folks. I mm. think the message in Walken's line is crystal clear. Um, and it hits on so many different topics kind of in one, whatever it is, 15 or 20 word statement, you know, about love, about legacy, about respect. So many different things are captured. Um, it, it reminds me of a, a quote by, I think he was a Belgian philosopher, Maurice Matterlink. I don't know if you've heard of Mr. Matterlink. Happy and blessed hour when wickedness stands forth revealed as goodness bereft of its guide. And, and I think of this quote here and, and kind of, you know, some of the, I, I think, things we're going to talk about or we're going to talk about that, you know, we, we end up where we end up and because of a lot of different things, but sometimes it's because we are left without a guide, right? Mm. And, and guidance in our lives. And... And, and I think that in this particular case, if you, if you pull out elements of, of what he's saying and apply it to what's going on in, in life, and it's been difficult for me because there's been so much wretchedness, right, going on in the world. And, and then you sit back and you look at it and you go, you know what? One, who are you to judge, right? And, and two... We, we end up in, in where we are because we do lack that guidance or that sense of true north or whatever it is. And, and that's going to vary so much from person to person, culture to culture and, and, and whatnot. I think it's difficult, but his resolution at the end is that one, he could not with confidence and competency play the role that he needed to play right yeah so he realized ego and everything aside and what it was going to do to the to the quartet he had to give that up yeah right and and i think that as i as i read kind of the body language and the production elements i think the others understand what he wants to do, but they don't appreciate it. <laughs> they're they're worried about what's going to happen to their livelihood and so forth and so on. But you know, he 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 went, I think, inward and said, "Look, I just I can't do this anymore. It's physically impossible." Yeah. And you know, again, spoiler alert. And that last bit where he, you know, the 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 Parkinson's, the tremors and whatnot, got to him. And 
I forget her name, um, but a, a real real world uh, from the Britano Britano Quartet, yeah. I think. She comes out and, and picks up where where he he leaves off, and I think it takes a lot for individuals to realize they have to make those kinds of choices. And the fact that we don't watch these kinds of movies, that we are caught up hamstrung in these pop culture crap fests. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to be clean here. And look, I watch them too. And, and, and you know, <laughs> I like a lot of oddball movies, as, as you know, and can quote many of them. And some of them have been on this program. Movies like this deserve your attention, my attention. You know, it took me a long time to six months. I don't know how long you'd been after me, but it had taken me a while to to finally watch this movie. And I'm so happy that I did because it's it's a fantastic movie. Do I like the whole thing? No. Am I, you know, as you know, I'm not a big fan of Mr. Hoffman's, uh, you know, may he rest in peace. But... And his kind of character in this is kind of what aspects he was in. Um, oh, gosh. What was that movie we were talking about that he was in? Sea of Love? I have no idea. Sea of um, the... No, no, not Sea of Love. Set of a Woman. Uh, the one with... Set of a Woman. Uh, of a woman. <laughs> the tots are twits. <laughs> we need to do that at one point. But, yeah, he was in that. And he was kind of a, you know, I didn't care for his his character and, and the angle and regardless, you know, and in this one, he's a very sort of, I think, shallow player, envious, you know, thinks he deserves more than what he's gotten and so forth and so on. And, you know, others could say, well, he's just asking for a chance to prove himself. I I get that, but you know, the and, and nothing against Mr. Hoffman. I don't know Mr. Hoffman as you pointed out earlier, <laughs> uh, but you know just that kind of whiny. You know you 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 get what you get. You know and you can strive for more and you but it comes from practice and it comes from diligence and you know in this case, Ivanir's character was the better violinist. Period. You know yeah. and so but but again I think it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, I just it's um what's fascinating is and the the direction I kind of wanted to go in was um um that we we have stopped finding joy. Um we've we're it, it's almost like we get so much of it. Like we have so much access to everything we could possibly ever want all the time now. Um, that we no longer get joy from the most basic of things. And so the only response is to hate and to be the person that's like, ah, I didn't think that was very good. And, and somehow that that's like, you know, social media capital or, or makes you seem cool to your friends or whatever. Um, it's, it's not cool to say you liked something. It's cool to say you hate something. And that, um, you know, I think it has repercussions into so much of the world we're living in now. I think um, we can look, you know, into the political situation that we've been in, um, which I don't think ended January 20th by any means. Oh, no. Just no, this no, idea that, like, 
we are so in, entitled to the, we feel that we're entitled to the things that we have access to. We can have anything we want all the time. Um, you know, again, if you have the means, not everyone gets to live this way, but there's certainly a, a privileged class of people that have just constant access to everything, right? Um, and I think when that falls apart and you don't get to, to micromanage your world, um, there's only one response, and I think we saw it uh, at the start of January, which is violence. Um, that when when you don't get everything the way that you want it to be, the only response to that is to burn it all down. Um, yeah. And and that's not really a sustainable uh, political uh, action, and it's not a very positive cultural one either. Um, and I I. You know, I don't know what the breaking point for that will be. I don't think we've met it yet, um, and I, I don't think that this last month. Oh, well, uh, we've seen a proxy for it. I think <laughs> we've seen the we've seen what it could look like. I think, yeah, um, you, some scale. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's very true. Um, you know, I, I think that was the first sort of thing, and not the last, um, which is a terrifying thought. Um, but I, I, you know, I want to. I, I, again, the encouragement, you know, normally I don't feel like we really endorse these movies very often, but, um, you know, this is on, on Amazon prime, not a sponsor. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, um, you know, find joy. I feel like it's, it's kind of, uh, imperative on all of us to start trying to think of the things in our lives that are good, um, and trying to find things that, you know, okay, may challenge that, but also that we seek, you know, other forms of, like, good in in, in the rest of the world. And I, you know, um, that doesn't mean not watching bad things or not watching depressing things or, or negative things, but it means trying to overcome that in some ways. I mean, I think in this case, you know, maybe one doesn't want to watch a movie where uh, some bad things happen. But even in those, you know, events of the movie, the characters come to find forms of happiness, right? I think there, there's a moment at the very end where they are all looking at each other like, yeah, this is working still. Like, yeah, we still sound good. Yeah, we still have our skills, you know, okay, we're without our old leader, but we're going to charge forward. And I think that there's some hope there. Um, I was just listening to a great talk the other day that that there's a, the difference between optimism and hope, and hope is a very, is an active thing. That It's not passive. You know, optimism is passive, but at hope is, is an active thing. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm preaching weirdly here, but, um, you know, we, we have to hope. Um, we, we kind of have to find the way forward. Um, and I think, you know, this movie is just a great example of, you know, art that asks us these questions um, in a way that we, we can kind of talk about it and we can read think pieces and whatever else. But, um, you know, this is one of those movies I feel like really shows you how well art can work to, to show us the way that we can think forward um, you know, maybe I'm putting too much on it. I don't know, but that's no, I, I don't, I don't think so. You know, it's interesting. Um, 
in some of our recent studies, which you know would come out at some point in the show. Um, Vedanta has talks about a term called satsang, which is in the company of good, mm. right? So good company, and it, it 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 does speak to people being around people of you know that have similar standards, principles, whatever, and and that not passing judgment on good or bad, not not in terms of relative or absolute sense of good or bad, but at every turn ensuring that you find yourself in the company of good. So that could be what you eat, what you watch, what you listen to, what you read, what you, you know, who you hang out with, uh, what movies you see, all these things, right? So at, at every turn, and that standard is, so I'm not, I'm not forcing or suggesting that this is good, absolute for everybody. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. That said, you can start to put something on the scale that says anything that takes you away from purity, righteousness, and again, all probably defined by the individual beholder. I do think there's something here in this type of art that points to a more positive more loving, more accepting world, environment, culture. And again, without getting into liberal versus conservative or any, what what's wrong with that, yeah. right? What is wrong with that type of satsang, right? That type of fellowship. But, you know, we don't, as a society, as an audience, as a the buying public... That's not we we want to be entertained. We don't want to think about things. We want to be, you know, whether it's funny or sad or dramatic or action-packed or horror or blood and guts and all this other stuff. That's what we want. And and you know, you've often told me I, I forget what movie it was recently. So, oh, you don't watch that kind of stuff. I can't remember. Oh, it was, it was. Uh, Brockmire. TV show. Brockmire. Yeah, yeah Brockmire. Because, I mean, it's a fairly, I mean, the first episode is a fairly vulgar yeah, episode, yeah. right? Just the beginning yeah. of it. and But funny. funny. And and so I get it. And and then, you know, you, you kind of watch that and you go, you know what? That doesn't that doesn't fit in my, it's not on my roadmap to, to where I want to go in terms of how I want to conduct my life, right? And again, that's up to the beholder. Sure. The, the problem is, is that with the proliferation of all this individualized media, so you can watch something and I can watch something at two ends of the scale. Yeah. doesn't matter. Good, bad, violent, peaceful, horror, unicorns and <laughs> rainbows, whatever. And... Our sense of concern and, again, respect and love for our fellow man and animals has completely been thrown out. Completely been thrown out. And, you know, before you could argue that, well, because there was the Andy Griffith show and Lucille Ball and and everybody was kind of watching the same thing, that... 
the 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 standard deviation about what was normal, right, was a very narrow group. And, you know, and then there were, you know, folks that would out here that would write about this or do a movie about that. And then they would sort of shun the the norm. Right. And and so we all kind of got away from that. And then that rapidly evolved into this individualized single channel I can now because because the advertisers love it. They can advertise to you. They know exactly where your eyeballs are going, how long you're on an ad. They know that stuff, and so they no longer have to spend all these all these dollars and pounds trying to figure you out. You're giving them the keys, yeah. right? You're giving them the keys all because. You're trying to get joy and happiness from out there, from something that, meh, you know, even this, <laughs> I don't think they made it in a weekend, but, um, th- you know, that you, 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 you will find is fleeting. Sure. It's not permanent. Sure. Right. It's just not permanent. Yeah. And, and so, but I think there's, there are different levels of impermanent happiness that are better than others. That's just me, right? I'll go out on a limb and say that. There's a great line from Mad Men, um, you know, which is a show about a guy that, you know, makes ads for a living. And he says, what's happiness, but the moment before you need more happiness. Um, And it's, you know, it's, it's particularly apt. I, I, um, I agree. I, I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in a struggle because it's in some ways a new struggle. Um, the way that technology has kind of pushed us into this, I'm going to say temporary corner, um, with all this. And I think we will overcome it. Maybe that's optimism versus hope. Um, which is very unusual. I know, I know. I'm, 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 I'm trying hard. Um, but I, I think it's a, it's a hurdle we'll, you know, it's it's one of those hurdles we'll either overcome or it'll kill us. So it's better to imagine that we're going to overcome it. Um, and, you know, I, I think the, the sort of general trajectory of humanity is that we overcome these things. Um, you know, as, as the veneer of, of social media eventually wears off, um, even though we're more ingrained in it, surely going forward, um, I think we'll, we'll start to construct our society in a different way around it. Um, and I think that the moment we're in will be one that will, you know, not overcome, but it'll become part of it, I guess, you know, it it won't feel and I don't mean that in a negative way that we'll get used to the bad things, but rather we'll figure out how to live with them. Uh, it'll become chronic. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of my my hope. Um, and, and the thing that I feel like I want to work towards as an adult now that like I, I you know, I, I'd like to be able to say I renounce hater culture and I just want to think positively and, and you know. I, you know, the biggest problem with that is is inward for me. That that's you know, not a thing that's going to be easy. Um, but I I'd, I'd like to do that, and I think um, 
you know, one of the one of the key things I'm I'm finding as I start to age is figuring out what you want is much harder than actually getting there in some ways. That like actually figuring mm. out the thing, the way that you want to live your life, um, is what's really interesting. But it's also like once you kind of say, okay, I want to be this way, and I don't want to be this way, you can actually work towards it actively. Um, and this isn't like some self help you know bs but more like i i i just i don't want to be that way um and i i want to talk about the things that bring me joy the things that bring me happiness um you know however rarely that is myself i will also (laughs) try to work on that um anyway i've rambled on here quite a bit but yeah no and and you've hit the nail on the head right so again going back to the good the company of the good right and, and focusing your attention on that. And I think, too, uh, you know, this going back to this Maurice Mat- Matterlink, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not saying that right, uh, quote, it, it takes a very unique approach to life to forgive the sinner while holding the sin in contempt, mm. Mm. right? So... Because, again, because of his quote, right, um, the, this whole concept of wickedness is, wickedness stands forth revealed as goodness bereft of its guide, right? So if you look at the individuals that did whatever they did on the 6th or the individual that did the riots back there and there's going to be someone on the other side, it's not the individuals, right? But it's the sin itself. If you want to look at it that way or the, or the, 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 the protest or the, the violence or whatever it might be. And, and it, it, it takes a lot for us to get there. Right. And, and so, we, we have to get out of this culture of ad hominem and, you know, it, it, let, let's talk about the actions per se uh, and not the person because the person, they didn't have the right guidance or they, they you know, they, there was other things that we can't even see or imagine yeah. that led to them doing that, right? And, and it's really our role through this process of exercising good company, focusing on the positive in living that part of ourselves that's going to make a difference because that's really the only hope it's not going to be government it's not going to be social media it's not it you know won't even be the arts because again if 10 people are listening to this maybe one (laughs) will go out and watch this movie hopefully yeah philip webb i'm calling on you i think i've already given this to him so um Anyway, question? Yeah, actually, this, this segues perfectly into the question I was going to ask, because I'm going to put you on the spot a little. Um, I know my thoughts and feelings. Um, you know, I think, to some extent, we have a very different relationship um, to this country, to the ideologies inhabited within it um, as, as immigrants and, and children of immigrants. Um how did you feel watching that that day? I mean, were you were you actively watching? Were you, um, you know, were you sort of getting updates on on 
you know, your phone. Um, I'm really sorry to put you on the spot with it, but we haven't really talked about it ourselves. But um, I, I, again, I know how I feel having watched. Yeah. I mean, I was glued to the TV, um, you know, for, for like 12 hours that day. Um, you know, half debating whether we needed to like evacuate or, you know, like what, yeah. what the response was. So I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, we've, we've talked about our sort of embodied uh, otherness as, as immigrant kids um, or, or however define you want to define those things. Um, how did you feel watching that? I mean, it was, it was, you know, I, you know, I think the first thing I sort of want to say on that is that like, you know, if that had been other brown people out there, they would have been arrested immediately, right? And there's this weird feeling that I had, but I'm, I'm really curious your thoughts, and if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. No, no, I don't. I don't mind sharing. So, uh, yeah, I was. Uh, you know, what's that word that uh, Alec Baldwin uses? Transfixed yeah. by. Uh, I forget what he was transfixed by, but. Um, the announcer. The, new, so, the movie in it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, a million dollar movie. Uh, so I was transfixed that afternoon, right? So I, I didn't realize that it, it started happening, and I just happened to pick up my New York Times. Yes, I, I, I read Not the New York Times, and if I could order it at home, I would. Uh, you know, for all of you uh, naysayers out there. And, and so I think the, the overarching kind of bottom line for me is I wasn't surprised. I had, I think I had told you along the way since over the summer that something bad was going to happen. Yeah. I just didn't know when, yeah. right? And I can't, you know, it's like, it's like trying to predict the market, you know, when it's going to go up or when it's going to go down. <laughs> and, but I had a sense that something was going to happen in, in the market as it were, in the political market. And it did. I, I, I didn't know the time and the place or the way. And so that day, I was certainly in awe. I was shocked. I was saddened. I was angry. I was many of those things. I was I was like, well, see, I told you something was going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and so there we stood on the precipice of dissolution of the democracy, yeah. Yeah. right? One would, again, if it had gone just a little bit further down the path, that's exactly where we would have been. And in at that time, my emotions got the best of me, right? So you're all caught up in that. And, and so when you calm down and you come out of it and you do the postmortem on what happened, I think that, again... Not surprised, not shocking. Our fall from grace, our fall from the intellect or the fall of the intellect, the inability to control our emotions, the inability to find pure, unadulterated, unconditional love for our fellow men, our men, women, and children, animals, is gone. Is gone, and and so again, I'm not surprised. I'm not even really any longer angry about it, or sad about it, or it just is. And you you kind of have to go back to the movie and our conversation. We have to work on ourselves, right? 
ultimately we have to work on ourselves. And that is the counsel that I give myself first and foremost and fail often, right? So I often fall off that pedestal that I'm, I'm trying to, to, to get myself on to in a, in a reasonable manner. And so to, to me, that's what it's about. I, you know, again, I, I, yeah, it was different, you know, with the protests and how people were treated and, and, but those are all common factors. Now, those are all obvious that that's who we've become as a nation and you can work to change that in whatever way you can find, you know, whether you're going to, you know, change your role in life or your writing or whatever, um, or you can continue to work on yourself. And I, I think that that's where it's going to have to be. And I, you know, it's funny. I mentioned to one of my teachers the other day that I, I saw some glimmer, a glimmer of change in some of the rhetoric, right? And then, of course, it always falls back to what are we going to do on the floor of the House or the floor of the Senate, right? But I saw some breaks in the cloud, right? And the light shone through and, and, and you know, you, you, you have a sense that perhaps we'll, we'll rise up and, and meet with grace again, but we're just so shallow and so hell-bent on the material aspects of our life that anything else is just an afterthought, if that. And so then that's not a pessimistic look at the world. The optimistic part of it all is that you can change yourself. And that's the important part of all of this. That is the lesson that I took away is not to get caught up in that crap, not to get consumed by it. It's going to go on. Whatever I can do to change it or say about it, whether it's through this program or through one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, so be it. But beyond that, I'm not, I'm not going to let that dictate to me how I need to lead my life. And it could one day. I mean... Could, you know, could have stormtroopers come down the street and take me out and shoot me in the head. I mean, all those, those are the extreme perspectives, right? But even then, am I afraid of that? No, I'm not. Well, let's start by counting joys, shall we? Yes. This podcast is hosted by Anchor and available through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Spotify, or pretty much wherever you get podcasts.